Welcome back everyone. I hope you're all having a great week and that you guys are ready to take a seat and get your weekly dose of seasoned crime. I'm your host Jasmine Nicole and as always I'm here to tell you a true crime story about a minority. Every week I'm going to cook up a story for you that highlights a minority of some kind from every color, race, religion, hobby, fetish, anything that's out of the norm that mainstream media doesn't put on display. Today is one of those stories that I I really wish I didn't have to tell it because the idea that this is a true crime story is truly heartbreaking. Today's story is going to be that of a five-year-old girl from Japan who was abused so terribly to the point to where she ended up dying from her injuries. If you think that one sentence is bad enough, just know that that has nothing on the details of this tragic story. It is truly just as dark as it sounds. Today's story, we are going to highlight Yao Bonato. At the time of her death, at the very young age of five years old, Yao had experienced more pain than many of us. In 2016, Yao's 26-year-old mother, Yuri, and her 34-year-old stepfather, Yudai, got married. Shortly after they got married, in August of 2016, they encountered their first interaction with Child Welfare Services. At this time, the three of them were living together in Kagawa, Japan. A neighbor who lived in the same building as them called the police, saying that they heard a child crying. Let's just pause for a second and think about how extreme it would have to be to call the cops because a child in your building is crying. Someone came to do a welfare check after receiving that call. Yudai was the one who stepped in and responded to the officers, saying it wasn't really a big deal. He was actually quoted as saying, it's only natural that children cry. He made it seem like it was just a normal instance of a child crying and Honestly, there wasn't anything to show that there was anything any differently, so this didn't really go anywhere. To this day, we don't know why she was crying on that specific date, but based on what I can assume, Yao was likely being abused at that time. A few months later, the cops were called out to their home yet again. This time, it wasn't just the child crying that caught the neighbor's attention. On Christmas Day of 2016, a call was made by a neighbor saying that there was a child outside in only her pajamas. Not only is this a young child outside alone on Christmas morning, which is a huge problem, but think about it. It's Christmas time, which means it's December, so it's cold. And again, she was wearing nothing but her pajamas, which is what truly alerted the neighbors. When the police approached Yao, they saw that she had physical signs of abuse on her. We found out later that part of the reason for the abuse that Yao experienced is because Yudai thought that she was fat. Yep, you heard me correctly, fat, F-A-T. He would wake this four-year-old little girl up at 4 a.m. just so she could exercise as well as to perfect her writing. If Yao didn't meet her stepfather's standards, he would soak her in water and force her to stand outside regardless of the temperature. This time, it was enough for authorities to step in. They ended up removing Yao from the home and placing her in a temporary protective custody. The protective custody agreement lasted a few months, and by February of 2017, Yao was sent back home. Yudai had managed to convince them that he could take her back into the home safely. This seemed to be the case, but it was very short-lived. The next month in March, 
Yao was once again temporarily removed from the home. Police suspected that Yudai was still continuously abusing Yao, however, no permanent solution was made by the legal system. At this time, Yao vocalized how much she didn't want to go back home. She said things like, and I quote, my other daddy was better. That statement was referring to her biological father. This wasn't enough, though, and for the second time, Yao was sent back home. By this time, Kagawa's Child Welfare Center had begun making regular house calls to the home. Reports of wrongdoing continued to be reported by various witnesses. Between March and April of 2017, marks of abuse were found on Yao's face and thighs. When the doctors who were examining her asked where the marks had came from, Yao clearly told them, Daddy beat me. Mommy was there too. And that was a quote. At this point, child welfare was ready to take Yao from them. However, they weren't able to do so because when they went to get Yao, the Fanano family was gone. Before their child could be taken from them a third time, they fled this area and they suddenly moved to Tokyo's Magura Ward. The move kept things outside the home quiet for a few months, but as expected, things inside the home were still hell for Yao. January and February of 2018 turned out to be the worst and the final months of Yao's life. Yudai spoke to this in court, saying he felt it was necessary that he get more strict with Yao. For me, when you're thinking of getting more strict with a four-year-old, maybe you're thinking no dessert before dinner, um, maybe a consistent bedtime or limited screen time. I mean, anyone who has ever interacted with a four-year-old or a toddler at that point you know that it's it's impossible to truly discipline them um, at that age. I feel comfortable in saying that most people would agree with my thoughts on what being strict to a four-year-old is, but that's not at all how Yudai saw it. He still believed that Yao was fat, and the only way that he could fix this was to get more strict with her diet. From this point on, Yao was not allowed to have any carbs, meat, or fish. On many days, she was only allowed to eat one meal, and that one meal would be a cup of soup with a small bit of rice. Child welfare workers were still involved with his family, and when they questioned Yudai about Yao's eating, he, as usual, had an answer for everything. He was quoted as saying, having the figure of a model is ideal. And when they would ask about the signs of abuse, he would tell them, quote, my wife and her mother spoil Yao too much, so I hit her to discipline her, end quote. The last month of Yao's life, she barely left the house. Child welfare came to the house in February. It was so bad at this point that Yuri refused to let them in to even see Yao. This seemed to be the start of the end. As if things weren't already bad enough, they continued to get worse for Yao. Yudai was beating her with his fist, choking her continuously. He would even soak her in water and he continued to starve her. All these things Yao had been experiencing for most of her four years of life, and they were escalating at this point. The final full day of Yao's life was March 1st, 2018. Yuri was giving Yao a bath, and the signs of abuse on her were so bad that she immediately just made her get up and wrapped her in a towel. Yuri was present during all of this and fully aware of what was happening. However, when she was confronted with the physical sight, she couldn't take it. When she had been asked later why she did this, 
She was quoted as saying, I did so because I felt like I had just seen something I should never have seen. End quote. Like, pause for a minute. This is her mother. This is a mother speaking about her child, and she is so ashamed by what she is seeing with her eyes, the sign, the physical signs of what she has been witnessing her husband do, and she couldn't take it when it came time to give her bath. I just, I, I, I can't. I can't. We'll go back to the story, but I can't. The one, I mean, I, the woman who formed her in her body and birthed her was the same woman who said those things about her daughter. She claims at the time that she did ask to take Yao to the hospital. However, Yudai wasn't allowing it, saying only after the abusers were healed could she go to the ER. Even though Yao was in the worst shape she had ever been in, Yudai still didn't let up. He made Yao continue to study. Yao was so sick physically that she couldn't even stay awake to do this and she ended up falling asleep. It would later become to known that Yao had pneumonia at this time. Yao's condition worsened even more overnight, and the next morning, on March 2nd, Yudai decided that it was time to call the ambulance. Me, personally, I feel confident in saying that he didn't do this because he was actually worried about Yao. He did this out of fear that she would die at home, which would result in him being charged with her death. On the 911 call that Yudai made, he said that someone needed to come because, quote, our daughter has not eaten for a few days and vomited, and her heart doesn't seem to be beating, end quote. The paramedics came and rushed Yao to the hospital. During this time, it was noticed that Yao had a diaper on, and Yuri jumped in to say that the diaper was because she was bedridden. When they made it to the hospital, there was nothing left to be done. Yao was immediately pronounced dead. Yudai didn't shed a single tear when he found out. As you can probably imagine, the police immediately began to look into what was happening. How did this five-year-old girl end up here? As if the physical bruises weren't enough, the issue of Yao's size added even more of a concern. Yao was extremely emancipated and only weighed 27 pounds, which is the size of an average two-year-old. Yao was five at the time of her death. It was determined that Yao's cause of death was sepsis from untreated pneumonia. Medical examiners notated that there was roughly 170 signs of physical abuse found on Yao's body at the time of her death. During their investigation, they searched the Fanato's home, and what they found was even more heartbreaking. If you remember, part of that abuse caused by Yudai was extensive handwriting lessons. Some of the letters that Yao wrote during this time were found, and her words were chilling. One of the letters said, I will make sure I can do more things tomorrow than today without daddy and mommy needing to tell me what to do. Another one said, forgive me. I will correct what I was unable to do yesterday and what I have done every day. Another one, I am sorry that I played so much like a fool. I will stop doing foolish things like playing. Those were just some of the few writings that Yao had left behind. To know that all this time Yao blamed herself for all of these horrific acts of her stepfather are just unfathomable. When the case went to trial, both Yudai and Yuri were very forthcoming for the most part. It wasn't hard to point out the part that Yudai played in this, but what about Yuri? 
How could she dare call herself a mother and allow her husband to do this to her child? And just this child? Because come to find out, there was also another young child in the home, about the age of two, but I wasn't able to find much information on him. There was no mention anywhere that he was a victim of this abuse. So that goes into something even deeper. Yao was Yudai's stepdaughter, so did this have something to do with the fact that she wasn't his biological child? Or maybe because she was a girl? When it comes to Yudai's exact reason of why, other than he thought she was fat, we don't really know too much. But what we do know is that Yuri just sat back and watched. Yuri insisted that she wanted to say something. She, she really did, but she feared for not only her life, but Yao's as well. She worried that if she said anything, the abuse would get even worse for Yao. In court, she admitted that she was waiting until April, and she believed that once we got to April, it would be reported for her so she wouldn't have to say anything. You see, in April, Yao was supposed to start school. And Yuri was hoping that once she went to school, the teachers and the staff would notice the signs of abuse and they would say something so she wouldn't have to. As we all know, Yao didn't live to see that. About a year and a half after Yao's death, Yurai and Yuri each went to trial with the Tokyo District Court. Yuri's trial was first and the court insisted that Yuri was entirely aware of the abuse that her daughter was going through. They did make note that she herself had suffered some psychological abuse from her now former husband. On September 17th of 2019, Yuri was sentenced to 18 years for parental neglect. Prosecutors wanted 11 years, but after Yuri's testimony, it was determined that she deserved a less harsh sentence because of the psychological abuse, also citing her responsibility to her younger son. Like, that part just threw me for a loop because the fact that we're even including the fact that she has a responsibility to her younger son after what we just saw happen to Yao is mind-blowing to me, but that that's what was said. The judge over the case said, quote, her actions deserve strong blame, end quote, while referring to Yuri not providing any kind of medical treatment at all to her daughter and not feeding her and instead leaving her to starve. Yudai's trial occurred about a month later. His defense team went for a nine-year term. Yudai said that he didn't realize that Yao's life was in danger until March 1st. However, the prosecutors argued that due to the severity of her illness and her underrate frame, there was no way at all that he didn't recognize those signs at the latest in February. Defense also tried to argue that not only had he admitted to his crimes, but he also proved that he was just as concerned for his daughter's life via the fact that he made that 911 call. They used that argument to speak to why he shouldn't receive the death penalty. I will admit they did win that part of the case. Yudai didn't receive the death penalty, but he did get 13 years for physical abuse and neglect. As horrible as every single part of this story is, there was some silver lining that came from Yao's story. This case made major headlines, and the investigation opened the door to show some major faults in Japan's child welfare program. Prior to the cases even being tried in court, there was so much public outcry that Japan's prime minister had to bring it up during a parliamentary hearing. This prompted Japan to change their laws on child abuse. They banned physical punishment of a child. 
there aren't any repercussions for offenders, but it does remove a lot of the red tape that would normally stand in the way of child welfare if it is found that there has been some. Staffing at child welfare centers also increase nationwide so that if a child is taken into protective custody, they would now have a completely different employee to work with the guardians of that child so it can be handled separately. The law also introduced confidentiality obligations to schools, education boards, and child welfare centers. This is hands down the hardest case that I've done to date. It took me so much longer than normal to fully research this case because I had to keep giving myself mental breaks in between. As you guys just heard, the more that I would read this case, the worse it would continue getting. I hate passing judgment, especially on other parents, because I know personally how hard that job is. And I get it. We all have our personal problems and issues outside of the child, but there was no way at all that I could even begin to try to understand what was going through the minds of Yudai and Yuri. This case would have been horrible, regardless of if I was talking about an adult because of the severity of the issues, but to know that I was talking about a child, a toddler, having the mother living in that same household, watching this happen and doing absolutely nothing. All I can say for sure is that there's a special place in hell for these two. There's not enough bad in this world that would even have me to believe that they will ever pay the price for what they did to this little girl. Even though she had no peace in life, I hope that Yao is finally able to rest in peace now that she is free from the abuse that she had to suffer. And that was the story of life and death of Yao Fanato. As always, I thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Seasoned Crime. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Seasoned Crime and make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast on your listening platforms. Have a great week, everyone. Mm-hmm.